Hello folks, uh, good afternoon, my name is Eric James Woody and I'm here on my podcast, My View from Anchor. Uh, I'm starting uh, episode 3. Um, in this episode I'm going to talk about my favorite, one of my favorite movies, um, which was uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I'm just going to kind of talk about it a little bit you know, more conversational than than uh, scripted like I was going to do. I've been working on it for a while, so I'm just not much of a, uh, <laughs> a scripted person. So I decided I'm going to uh, do it unscripted. So here we go with episode three, my favorite movie. All right. Um, I wanted to start it off with saying, you know, um, there's a little background about uh, this movie, uh, the reason why I like it. Um, I grew up, you know, in the early, in the uh, 1960s, um, and I just had my birthday recently, I'm 59 years old, and uh, so I was able to see the Apollo missions, and I got to see Apollo 11, you know, the moon landing and everything, and so I was always fascinated by the universe and by uh, the thought of there being life out in the universe, so of course that, that goes into the subject of UFOs, which is the, the main subject of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Um, one thing, you know, my also my background, my family's background too, my mother, um, when she was a kid, her and her sisters way out in the country, you know, um, in the 20s and 30s, you know, they used to see uh, objects. Um, and they actually... Uh, had an object uh, fly over top their house. Uh, they were asleep, and that, that object was so bright, it was like the sun coming up, and it actually woke them out of their sleep. They came out into their yard, and, uh, and uh, this bright orange object was above the tree line. So that right there... <laughs> goes to show you um, extraterrestrials have been been here and have been visiting um, humans for centuries, thousands of years and whatnot. Uh, of course you see all of those paintings and UFOs in the sky and the background and those frescoes uh, religious scenes and everything and you, you know you kind of wonder why but I mean, that's pretty obvious after a while. But when I was young, you didn't really, you didn't, you, you wouldn't have recognized it. But as I was growing up and, and I got more and more information on, on extraterrestrials, on, on UFO sightings and whatnot, you know, me and my father and, uh, would go out and, uh, search the skies and, and look out for UFOs. So, um, 
I've had a few special interesting sightings that, uh, you know, I'm not sure or certain that they were UFOs, but they were definitely acting in a interesting way. They weren't satellites. Um, so, my assumption is that they were probably flying objects from someone else. Because they, you know, hung in the sky. They always had some sort of alternating blue, red, yellow, and white lights blinking, either strobing or they would change different colors. Sometimes the object would be red and then blue and then orange. So it's quite interesting. And I know we didn't have craft back then that changed colors <laughs> and hung in the middle of the sky. And they weren't choppers because you'd hear a chopper. So um, that kind of ruled that out. So UFOs, big subject, uh, very fascinating. <laughs> I've been studying the subject for years. And, uh, you know, you have the famous cases, fire in the sky, um, the one uh, timber. Cutter, I guess he was a logger or whatever. Him and his buddies uh, had the encounter up in the woods, in the forest, high up in the mountains. And uh, the one guy was uh, was abducted. So that was a big that was a big story back then in the early seventies. Um, and of course, you know the famous uh, Betty and Barney Hill case in the in the late nineteen sixties of the couple that was abducted. And the one thing that the the uh, Betty, who was the wife of uh, Barney Hill, had uh, seen the star chart when she was on the craft. And they identified that uh, star system that she sighted, but it was identified uh, decades later as being a real... Uh, you know, real system. And uh, that's where those beings were from. So uh, she wasn't joking around. And that's quite serious. That's, so, you know, a major evidence that she did see and she did experience what she did, and her and her husband. All right. Now moving on to the movie. Close Encounters, written and directed by Steven Spielberg. Music by John Williams. Incredible music score in that movie. And uh, that really made a lot of the movie. That The drama, the, you know, the action that was in the movie. That music, that composition was, was perfect. You couldn't get a better composition for that movie. And, uh, so, Close Encounters, made in uh, 1977. Um, I guess I was, mm, I guess 16, 16 years old. And uh, 
you know, as a teenager, you know, when you go see that movie, um, you know, it's always, it's, you know, you're sitting back in, in the seats and Dolby stereo and, you know, um, I think Star Wars was also uh, playing at the time. And uh, so it was a big thing, you know, with those blockbuster films. And those, I guess those were the first really big blockbuster movies, you know, of that time. The Star Wars uh, trilogy and, of course, uh, Close Encounters, uh, Jaws, movies like that. But anyway, so, you know, as a teenager, those type of movies really do, uh, you know, make an impression on you. And my sister told me to go and see it. She said, you you will love this movie. She went to see it in the theaters. And so I said, yeah, I got to. I got to go see the movie, and uh, so I said, uh, I went on and, and uh, went to the movies and, and got to see it, so here we go, Close Encounters, um, yeah, you know, like I said, I had this thing, you know, I was trying to script this thing out, but it's it's such an incredible movie, it's really hard to put everything in words <laughs> that you want to say about it. Um, I guess Flight 19, the first scene in the uh, film, was really one of the major, major uh, scenes in the film. Because it showed that, uh, you know, the evidence of the Bermuda Triangle. Uh, Flight 19 flew through the Bermuda Triangle uh, at the time, and those planes were and pilots were abducted. So that was important as far as that scene because they said, "Now these these planes have been used and haven't been seen since 1945." So that again, that was really a big dramatic point, you know, to show the uh, the fact that those planes had been returned back to Earth. So they were missing, you know. So no one really understood at that at that point in the in in the movie what was happening. You know, how did they get here on a landing strip in Mexico in the middle of the desert? <laughs> so the uh, next scene, which was, which was probably my one of my favorite scenes, was uh, the air traffic control scene, scene number two. And uh, so, in that scene, the the two planes and the air traffic controller, they were interacting about a point in the uh, on the radar that was unusual and it was flying above them now the two planes you know they didn't have a problem at the time until the object started getting closer and closer and it was you know they said it was rather bright rather and rather brilliant landing lights that's what they thought it was another plane but they found out it was not a plane but it was a very brilliant object uh, 
you know, that object flew by them and it created a conflict of of airspace basically it could have caused those planes to to crash so again you know that was a very dramatic scene and the air traffic controller was trying to you know tell the pilots it's your discretion move out of the way when you have to i said uh and you know all the other air traffic controllers were you know asking questions or telling them you know okay call this uh call the air base to see if they're testing something and it was pretty interesting and, and and it was really dramatic and uh and when they asked the uh pilots you know what happened do you would you like to report a ufo and of course the pilots you know back then especially they said you know no because we know what's going to happen they're going to make us take a psych test and they they're going to think that we're insane and they're going to ground us basically grounding means take your pilot's license and sit you at a desk so <laughs> so they didn't want to give up that money of course because those pilots make a lot of money and uh so they both both of the pilots both planes uh denied making a report and the air traffic controller also didn't know what to tell them. So um, I guess that incident kind of was shuffled, shuffled away <laughs> in their reports as, you know, just a UFO, unidentified flying object. That was it, you know. So as the movie went along, you have, you meet up with, the mom and her child and they're sort of uh, you know in their house around their house and uh, so um, they went to bed I guess and and so they're they're there sleeping and the little kid wakes up because he hears all this noise. His toys turn on. There's lights shining up towards the uh, the stairwell. So the, the little boy goes towards the stairwell and heads down, down the steps to where all the commotion is. And he hears things crashing and, you know something going in and out of the door and uh he goes down to investigate so he's standing there and then sees all this food all over the you know all over the floor the refrigerator doors open and and the uh beings come through the little doorway but you don't see the beings but the kids expressions uh, you know that's all all you need to see you know there's something there and he's like you know, it's wide eyed just in amazement to see who these beings are and so that just really raised you know the excitement and the drama of that of that moment and uh that was awesome that uh that scene was 
was incredible. The kid, of course, he's, you know, it's, it's like, you know, a game. He's, like, he's, he's ready to play, you know. Uh, so whoever this, these beings were, to them, he wasn't afraid. And uh, he followed them outside. And uh, then you, you cut back to the mother. She's waking up because she sees all these toys coming in her room. And they just, you know, turned on by themselves, you know. And so she wakes up and says, oh, you know, I must be your son. So she's going into the room. She sees that he's not there, and she hears his voice, and she looks out the window, and there Barry is. That's her son's name, Barry. And uh, and he looks back at her after she yells at him, and uh, <laughs> and he goes running into the dark. So that that scene cut away to the uh, third scene. Roy went to Roy and his family, and uh, Roy is uh, playing with his kids on this little train set and uh, trying to get them to to have an imagination and be creative and and get into movies that are, you know, more children and family friendly like uh, Pinocchio. So, because he grew up with Pinocchio and, and movies like that. And uh, his kids want to do something else. But anyway, uh, his company calls him because he's he works for an electric company. So Roy has to go out and check out uh, a problem with the electric lights, you know, throughout the town. And so they send him out on his on his uh, you know on his repair mission. So Roy goes out with his truck and he goes. To this one point, right near a railroad uh, crossing, so Roy stops, and, and he's kind of in the road a little bit. He's looking at his maps. He's trying to find the the uh, station that he needs to go, the substation he needs to go to, to check uh, the problem, why the lights out. So <laughs> you see the lights coming right behind him. And it's like, oh man, that must be something. And the lights get get closer and stop. And then the lights come around. And then instead of it being, you know, a UFO, it's a guy in the car. And and he's saying, you're in the road, jackass. Get out of the road. <laughs> he drives off. <laughs> so he's mad. And Roy, you know, it's like, ah, that's nothing. Roy doesn't doesn't really, you know, recognize anything else after that. He's too busy looking at his map. And then he he sees the light up in the mirror of another, something else coming, probably another car, and he's waving to go around. And the lights, instead of going around, they go up in the air. <laughs> and Roy doesn't see this because he's still, you know, looking at his map. And his car turns off. <laughs> his flashlight goes off. 
and all of a sudden he hears this this noise outside now the noise is a motion of these mailboxes which must be being affected by the gravity or the the static uh, magnetic um, electricity from the object that's above his head. So <laughs> Roy looks outside, looks out the window, and then and he watches these things move, and then the light turns on. It's like someone putting a giant flashlight over top of you, you know, and it lights up the car, and he's he looks out of the window. You can hardly see it's so bright, and it's and it's so hot, and it's you know, Roy's like, you know, in shock, and he sits there, and his radio turns on, and his engines of his truck, you know, rev up, and and Roy is really, really shaken up by this. He he doesn't know what's going on. Um, it's like nothing he's ever experienced. So, the lights go off, and Roy's sitting there, sort of like with a nervous, you know, jerk, you know, his, you know, throughout his, his body, his, he's sort of like really in shock. So, <laughs> the object flies over, he looks through the front windshield, and he sees the object, and the lights go on again, you know, above, way ahead of him, onto the roadway. And then they turn off, and the object continues. And so, Roy sits there for a minute. And then the lights in his car go on, his truck. And, uh, and he hears the radio turn on, and... A lot of people are talking on the radio. It's a CB, so it's picking up, you know, all types of uh, signals from other people's uh, CBs. So he hears uh, different, you know, people talking about, you know, the object that they've seen that has come by. And uh, so it was pretty interesting with that part. Um, he decides that, you know, he has to follow this up and uh, go after this object. He has to see it, you know, to his conclusion. He wants to, wants to know where it's going and how far he can travel to follow it. So, Roy takes off with his truck. And he forgot all about the job that he was supposed to do <laughs> about fixing the lights. They were all off. And the lights were off because of the object going over that has some sort of electrical charge. And that shuts off electricity and affects um, the electronic grid, you know, that powers the town and whatnot. And the transformers took out transformers or whatever, took out the, uh, basically absorbed or sucked up the energy.
just from the craft coming over, flying over the, that region. So, <laughs> again, Roy's on the way. You know, he's he's speeding, you know, over the speed limit. And uh, he's heading, you know, towards the uh, where the craft is going. Um, so, when, uh, when he gets to a point, the lady is still chasing her son. And her son runs out into the middle of the road. And he stands in the middle of the road. And she comes, you know, out of nowhere through the woods. And she's like, you know, she, she gets ready to go to him because she calls to him. And then here's Roy coming up the road, you know, 80 miles an hour. And he just just barely sees him and turns off and sort of skids off into the into a ditch away from the kid. And she grabs the kid out of the way. So <laughs> that scene was uh, was amazing. Uh, that's when those two finally met. Uh, her name is Jillian. That's the mom and Barry is a little the little boy, and uh, he almost hit the kid, and he gets out and apologizes, and says, oh, I'm very sorry, I didn't know, I didn't see him, you know, but luckily, you know, he was safe, so they stand there, and the kid goes out into the road again, and looks down the roadway, and all of a sudden, you see these craft, and one flies over, and another one flies over. That's that's in, that's shaped like an ice cream cone, and and the little boy says, you know, talks about the craft, ice cream, you know, because it looks like a ice cream cone, and and another couple of objects fly over, and little tiny objects with little red lights zoom past, and uh, Roy's like you know, amazed. And so he jumps in the truck and takes off again after those objects. Now, Roy doesn't know where he's going, so he turns on the uh, police channel because he wanted to find out, maybe they know, and they were talking about where it was headed and they were chasing after the same object. And they come to the Ohio border. So they're in Indiana. So they come across through the through the border, across the border, through the tolls, and the guy at the tolls yelling at them because they're supposed to stop. Roy didn't stop at all. He just zoomed through and said it. You know, that's funny because you would say, okay, those tolls now you know, two or three dollars or whatever. The toll then at that time was 25 cents. So, <laughs> you know, Roy wasn't even going to stop to put in one quarter. He was in, he was on, on the way after those objects because the objects had just flown through the uh, tolls without stopping also. <laughs> and, uh, that's, that's, that, that's a funny scene. I like that scene. And, and so, Roy and two other uh, police cruisers cruise through, and 
keep going to chase after this these objects and the objects come to a hill and instead of going following the roadway they go up <laughs> over the hill over the valley and they they you know Roy stops you know at a dead halt and the other police car stops at a dead halt and one police car doesn't stop because it's just following where the vehicles are and he goes over the guardrails down into the valley <laughs> and uh, he crashes the vehicles go up into the sky they split into three parts one east one west and one north and then and then there's a, like a big storm of clouds over them and you'll see the whole valley after they're gone the lights come on one section one area at a time and then that was it that was the the major you know sighting I guess that was considered close encounters of the second kind you know because it was it was really a close encounter uh, close encounters of the first kind is actually sighting an object in the sky and it you know being something unusual and you you're not being actually being able to identify it. that's why they're called UFOs but this is close encounters of the second kind because those objects were obviously seen close up and you knew they were not of anything of this world and so that would be the second encounter so that just blew Roy's mind and he rushes into his family's house when he comes back and everyone's sleep and he try he wakes up everybody his kids and everything and his wife is telling him that they called you and and I think they you know that they uh think they fired you Roy and uh and she was telling him but he wasn't listening he was so you know caught up in this sighting that he couldn't even uh couldn't even you know think about work it wasn't that important to him um, again I just it's hard to describe this movie unless you watch it uh, in order to see those dramatic scenes but you know after that scene um, there were some other things that happened um, towards uh, finding out what these objects were now there was one scene late on in the uh, before the the knowledge of what the music was about because it was a a sort of a I don't know if it was a some sort of sound or tune that people that had seen the object or been near the object a series of 
notes that they seemed to pick up. He picked it up. The little kid picked it up. And uh, so, you know, that was a, that was a main theme in that. Um, now, before that, before we get into, into those scenes, um, the other main scene was when, was when Barry and his mother, they were home, and she was into, you know, trying to figure out, you know, what was going on, what happened, and she had a vision in her head, and she was doing some art to try to bring out the vision, and uh, drawing this mountain or monument, and that was a major point in the film, uh, showing the direction of where the objects were headed towards, and why they were going there, so her little kid, Barry, he was playing on the xylophone, and he was playing this tune, which is part of uh, John Williams' uh, composition. Um, I don't know, five notes or six notes, and uh, and again, that was important in the film because it was sort of a communication towards people that were there or people that had experienced the sighting. And everyone had this same tune in their heads. Um, I said, like I said, you have to see the movie and really to really understand what I'm saying. But um, so after after that, you know, they're sitting there, and uh, the mother goes out, empty the trash, and you know, it's a regular day, regular evening, and uh, these lights, you know, come start coming towards their house, and the sky's lit up with these really bright lights, and they're surrounded by clouds it's like you know some sort of thunderstorm or something and they get closer and closer and then the lights come out of the clouds and they're and it's they're singular objects they're not part of the clouds at all it's not they're not lightning or anything and so she runs to the house starts closing the doors and the windows and and grabbing her son and put him she grabs him puts him in the in the living room so she's she's closing all the windows and locks up all the doors and you know and uh the lights come surrounding the house and uh she closes the blinds and close the uh close up the curtains and they're still there like what is going on you know that was the uh, fear and everything in her because again these are, this is another encounter now this is even a closer encounter than the first time her and her son saw the objects 
this was a personal encounter. Uh, now she tried to do, she did everything she could, and whoever was in the craft wanted Barry. So the beings in the craft surrounded her house, tried to come from under the house into the house, and it, it, it was chaos. They tried to come through the door, and Barry opened up the door because he was really, he wasn't afraid. He was just very fascinated, and she saw him standing there and, you know, with this bright orange light coming you know, right there on the patio. And she ran, closed the door, and locked the door and got him away from that. <laughs> so the little boy is still, like I said, he's not afraid. And to him, it was time to, you know, he was in play mode. He was, you know, two years old or whatever. And so he runs to the the little kitchen door and there's the dog flap right there. Now you don't see a dog anywhere in the <laughs> in the movie at all. So if she had a dog, then she don't have a dog anymore. But they had the little dog flap at the uh, base of the kitchen door. <laughs> so <laughs> some reason Barry is crawling, crawled right through the door. I guess to see them and. You know, and he's yelling, oh, you can come in. You know, he wasn't afraid of them. And they grabbed him, and she grabbed his legs, and she was hysterical and pulled, and she didn't have the strength. She was so hysterical, and she let go. And they took him away up into the ship, and she runs out of the house and runs down the field and watches the lights go back up into the clouds as she's yelling yelling for him and they take him off into the sky so her experience was horrible because that was her son her only son you know so she wasn't really fascinated by the objects or what that meant all she cared about was going to protect her son and get him back no she didn't care how but she was determined to get her kid back you know so off she goes talks to the air force and all the townspeople there in the air force you know they talk about it and, you know, they 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 try to pretend like, you know, oh, this is, we understand how serious, but this is, you know, it's, this is what this is. This is something that, that's from your imagination. It doesn't exist, you know. You know, don't pay it any mind. I said, it's nothing. So, but they could not answer the question, who took her kid? So they really had no answers for that. But, of course, they're going to pretend like it's okay. 
So off she goes. She gets the the vision in her head that there's some sort of a, some sort of object. Now the news goes on, you know, and talks about this, you know, this rail disaster and and all this gas in, in this one region of the country in the state of Wyoming, which would be west of Indiana. So she takes off and she's heading towards Indiana. Roy, on the other hand, also has kind of gone off the off the uh, off the grid. He uh, scares his his wife and his kids away, and he's building this big mountain inside of his living room from the shrubs and dirt from out in his yard. And he puts together this mountain, and he sees the, the news story of the rail disaster. And, you know, he's he's like, he couldn't believe it. He's like, he's like, there it is. That's exactly what I've been trying to build. It's right there. And it's in Wyoming. So, Roy takes off and heads towards Wyoming. And... In the next scenes in this video, in this movie, um, you find out that, you know, the Air Force and, and these objects are going to meet up at Devil's Tower. Um, and that's the dramatic ending scenes of the movie. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Uh, like I said, uh, you have to see the movie in order to really, really appreciate it. And uh, since I don't want to spoil that part for you, I'm not going to say any more about the movie. I've said enough. There's other scenes in between, some scenes, but those were some of my favorite scenes. And of course the ending scenes. Uh, were spectacular, and uh, that's why that movie was one of my favorites, because of the UFOs, and because it kind of, to me, it was evidence, you know, and proof that UFOs were, were real, and that they had really, you know, basically, you know, alerted uh, humankind that we were not alone and not only regular citizens but military also had many encounters with these objects over the years from since the 1940s and earlier up until you know today so that's all I got for you folks episode 3 uh, one of my favorite movies, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Um, check it out if you've never seen the movie. It's really worth it. And uh, I just wanted to talk about that a little bit. You know, um, there are many other favorite movies I have, but I just, you know, that was probably one of my favorites of all. And, 
You know, the subject of UFOs is a huge subject, and it spans for, you know, centuries, actually, for real. But, you know, in our time, in our country, probably a century or so, you know, a hundred years or so, since the uh, late 1800s, you know, sightings in Texas and other places, you know, back in those days, and mostly everything was drawn and then written in the newspapers, so you didn't have photographs of anything, but you did have drawings and, you know, um, renderings of what people saw, you know, in in those states or neighbors neighborhoods that where they seen those craft. But, so, thank you, folks, uh, for listening. I just thought it was interesting, uh, you know, idea to talk about movies, your favorite movies, and you know, I'll probably have some other movies I may want to talk about, but you know, I'm not a movie uh, reviewer or anything. I just, you know, wanted to come up with another interesting subject uh, for my episodes on my view on my podcast. And I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, check it out again sometime. I'll come up with the my episode four, and uh, I'm just starting this, so you know, I like I said, I don't. I'm trying not to script anything. I'm just trying to basically speak from my, you know, interest in in uh, my ideas and in in my feelings of uh, of the subjects that I enjoy and want to share with you. So, thank you very much for listening. Whoever's listening, how many other people's listening? You know, I hope you enjoyed some of it anyway. <laughs> you know, it's kind of a rough, a rough, uh, you know, segment. That like I said, I'm not really good on the uh, scripted stuff unless someone else scripts it for me. Otherwise, you know, me scripting it for myself is, is you know, it's not easy uh, to script stuff. So, I just rather talk from from my, from my uh, heart and from my feelings. So thank you very much and uh, have a good one. Peace.